Amen. As you take your seats, Philippians chapter 1, or sorry, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. So thankful for all of you who brought Operations Christmas Job boxes. These boxes we're going to pray over in just a little bit, but they're going to go all around the world to children of all nations. Um, but man, I just want to echo what Amy said earlier, and there's so many ways in which we can be involved, even reaching children and families right here in our own community. So check out Care Portal, be a part of it, uh, you will not regret it. And then also, uh, another opportunity for you to get connected to the reaching uh, the nations with the gospel of Jesus is going to Panama. I encourage you to ask uh, questions if you have those on that trip and be a part of next week. You won't want to miss that. And also thankful for Dakota and our children's choir. Um, they, they did such a great job. And uh, yeah, give another round of applause. Super, super awesome. Hey, and if you don't have children involved in children's choir and they got time to be a part of that, it's 4.15 Wednesday afternoons uh, right here in our own choir room. Um, but Philippians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, um, not long ago there was a book fair at Noah and Caroline School. Noah and Caroline are our oldest. Uh, they were just up here a little bit ago. And we told them that we would pay for one book going into this book fair. Um, if you don't know what a book fair is, it's when they bring it to the schools and it costs money and they sell their books and it's a whole thing. Um, but we told them that we would pay for one book. It must be approved by us, but we would pay for one book. And so they walk into this book fair with the rights and the freedom and the ownership to that one book. It was theirs. It belonged to them. They knew that going in. Man, I have one book that is mine in this place to choose from. So they go into the book fair, and Noah picks his book out pretty quickly. Now, he first went to a series. We said, no, 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 not one series, but one book. And so he went to his book, though, pretty quickly, got his book, no problem. Caroline, on the other hand, walked back and forth, back and forth, all around that book fair. And then finally, she picks up a book, hands it to us, and it's Pokemon <laughs> with the little cards. If you don't know what Pokemon is, you don't need to, okay? Um, you just don't need to. But what you do need to know is that Pokemon was an uncharacteristic pick for her. It was an odd choice that we did not see coming. And so we said, Caroline, why this Pokemon book? Like, why are you picking this book? And she said, it's for Armin. Don't worry, Armin's not a boy in her class, okay? Armin is her cousin, and she loves her cousins, but I don't know what made her think of Armin in that moment or what compelled her to pick a book for Armin, but she said, this book is for Armin. And we said, listen, okay, you only get one book. We're not buying a book for our, our nephews right now, okay? You only get one book. We're not buying a book for him. We're buying a book for you. She said, yes, but this is my choice. This is the book I want to give to him. Wait, your choice, Caroline, is to use your right and your freedom, the ownership you have of this book, to pick that book and give it to him? Yes. 
And so we took that book home, we wrapped it up, and we gave it to Armin as a gift. She did. And in that moment, in that little pocket of space, this five-year-old, Caroline lived out what Paul is preaching to the Philippians. She lived out what God has called and commanded us to live out, despite the fact that she didn't have to. In humility, she counted someone else more significant than herself. She considered another person's interests, another person's circumstances and conditions above and in addition to her own. So she took her book, what she had a right to, what she had ownership of, what she had a freedom to. She took her book and she gave it to someone else. So just take a moment and look around. And when was the last time we did that for anyone else in this room? Not talking immediate family, your church family. And we might say, well, why would I, why would I do that? Because that is the kind of life that God is calling and commanding us to live. That in the moments of our days and weeks and months and years, in the little pockets of space, in humility, we are to count others more significant than ourselves. We're to consider others' interests, their circumstances, and their conditions above and in addition to our very own. And from there, we're to serve them and to lay down our lives for them. Because as Paul will remind us, that's how Jesus lived. And as Jesus will remind us, you're not greater than he is. And if we want to so prove ourselves to be his followers, it will not be a building attendance. It will be that we go and do likewise. And it all begins with a mindset. So remember, last week we looked at the manner of life we are to live. Paul talks about this in Philippians 1, that we looked at this manner of life that we're to live. We are to live as a united community in Jesus with an unconditional commitment to Jesus. We are to remain loyal to him together no matter what in everything. And within this manner of life, we're to stand as one and we're to strive as one and we're to suffer as one all for the sake of Christ. And as we'll see today, Paul has been building up to this moment in his letter to in essence say, no, 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 like really, like for real, you are to live this manner of life, not on silos, not on islands by yourself, but together you are to live as a united community in Jesus with an unconditional commitment to Jesus. And that kind of manner of life, what we're talking about here, what Caroline did in that bookstore, it begins with the mindset. And we're to have this same mindset among ourselves. Doesn't matter our generation, doesn't matter where we're coming from, we're to have this same mindset in Christ among ourselves. Which brings us to Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 11. And this is what Paul writes. So, 
if there's any encouragement, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the Spirit, if there's any affection and sympathy, then complete my joy, he says in verse 2, then complete my joy by being of the same mind, one mind. Have the same love, be of one love. Being in full accord or in one spirit and of one mind. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but instead in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look or consider not only your own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind or this mindset among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But instead, Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Now, I've talked about them before, and I'll talk about them again, but raising Cain's chicken. All right, raising Cain's chicken. They are a business, an organization, a community that functions and operates with one mindset. They're all about functioning and operating with one mind, one spirit, one love. Quite literally, you'll see the one there on the building. It's one love with one purpose together as one. They are absolutely obsessed and devoted to preparing and presenting, and I quote them, only the most craveable chicken finger meals. That's all they do is chicken finger meals. It's their one purpose. It's their one passion. It's their one promise. It's their one love. It's what drives them. It's who they are. It's their mindset. And they have this mindset every day together as one to marinate their 100% chicken for 24 hours, never frozen, never put under a heat lamp, always made fresh daily, and to serve that brilliant chicken finger meal, not to themselves, but to you and to me. That's it. Simple, easy, phenomenal. And flat out delicious, by the way, if you've never had it. In a similar vein... You and I are called and commanded to function and operate, to be a community of people who live with one mindset. This is what Paul is saying here, to live with one mind and one spirit and one love, with one purpose. Remember, we're to live as a united community in Jesus, with an unconditional commitment to Jesus. And within that manner of life, yes, we're to stand as one and strive as one and suffer as one for Christ, But Paul is saying, no, 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 like really, 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 make my joy complete. Make my joy complete by having the same mindset among yourselves. Be of one mind. The way you think, 
the way you perceive things, the way you process things. Be of one mind. Be in full accord. Literally, let your souls be like knit together. Let your souls be one. Be of one mind, one soul. Be of one love. The love that is shown to us in and through Jesus, ultimately at the cross of Jesus. So function and operate and live this way with the purpose, with the purpose of in humility counting others, he says, more significant than yourself. Consider their interests. A better translation is consider their circumstances and their conditions above yours or in addition to your very own. And from there, from that mindset, in the little moments of your day, in the small spaces and places you find yourselves, then from there serve and lay down your life for each other. That's it. Simple, easy, phenomenal. This is what it looks like to live as a united community in Jesus with an unconditional commitment to Jesus. And it all begins with your mindset. We're to live this mindset, the mindset that Jesus has. And Paul says, listen, hey, it's already yours. The mindset that is yours in Christ Jesus. Meaning, if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. The Spirit of God who is one with Christ. As Paul said elsewhere, it's no longer I who lives, it's Jesus now who lives in me. But it's also as Jesus said, just as he is in the Father and the Father is in him, so because of and through the Holy Spirit, you and I are in him and he in us. Thus, because of him and in and through him, you have this mindset. You have the capability and the ability to live this mindset out. It's available to you. You have it, so live it. You have it, so live it. You say, well, what does Jesus' mindset really look like then? Well, imagine for a moment that you are in the upper room, a place that you and I have gone to a lot, the upper room where, where Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper right there the night before his death on a cross, and place yourself among the disciples. It's just you and 11 others and Jesus. And you're sitting at this table before Jesus. Now, the spiritual condition of the disciples, while in the upper room, is sometimes not what we think. As Jesus is gathering with them in that room, there is dysfunction, there is division, there's distractedness running rampant, looming over the room. You have people, no doubt, still indignant at James and John. Remember earlier on, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, they got their mother to go to Jesus with them to have a special request. Hey, Jesus, can you make sure my James and my John are at your right hand and your left hand in your kingdom? Can you make sure that they are elevated above and before everyone else and that they get the recognition that they deserve, my boys? Jesus says, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't even understand your request. And so they walk back to the group, James and John, heads down, no doubt, turned down by Jesus' words. And the gospel writers tell us that the other disciples were indignant towards them. Who do you think you are? Elevating yourself above us. 
And you know that two of the, the disciples who especially would have been indignant were their business partners, Peter and Andrew, also two brothers. And so no doubt here in the upper room that Peter and Andrew still would have had a little bit of resentment towards them. And you even get it at, when Peter is reinstated at the end of the Gospel of John. Jesus is saying, Peter, this is your calling. This is going to be your life. And Peter looks over his shoulder and says, yeah, but what about that guy? Meaning John. There's division in the upper room. There's underlying resentment. Well, who do they think they are? Elevated himself over us. You also have Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot hated Rome, wanted to destroy Rome, wanted Rome to just come collapsing down, hated everything about Rome. And then you have Matthew the tax collector. Matthew who worked for Rome and worked with Rome all at the expense of the Jews. There's division there. Then you have Judas himself who already has in his heart and mind working how he's going to betray Jesus for some money. There's dysfunction, there's division, there's distractedness. And so with all of that among his followers, Jesus also had the darkness and the death of himself looming over him. So what does Jesus do? In response to all this, among all this, Jesus submits to a supernatural, otherworldly mindset. And in humility, he counts them more significant than him. He considers their circumstances and their conditions above and in addition to his own. And thus he serves them and eventually would lay down his life for them. Despite the fact that he didn't have to. He had the right and the freedom to not do it. But he did it anyway. For us. That while you and I were still sinners. Not deserving. Jesus died for us. And this is ultimately how he proved his love. And this is how he demonstrated his love for us sinners. And he calls and commands us to live the same mindset, the same love, the same mind, the same soul. See, John says in John 13, verse 3, he said that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that Jesus had come from God and was returning to God. So what does Jesus do? Knowing that he's God, knowing that all authority and power belongs to him, what does Jesus do? He gets up from the meal, takes off his outer clothing, and wraps a towel around his waist. Knowing that he's God, the creator and sustainer of the cosmos, all the power In heaven and on earth given to him, who he is, what does he do? He takes the form of a servant. And from there, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Knowing he's God, knowing his rights, his freedoms, his ownership, knowing all the power and authority belongs to him, he takes the form of a servant and in humility serves them. And John says when, that, when he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, he, re, he resumed his place, he returned to his place, and then he said, do you understand what I've done for you? 
Do you just sit back? All the division and the dysfunction and the distractedness. Do you understand what I, Jesus, God incarnate, have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. And rightly so, for that's what I am. You gather in rooms like this and you sing to me and you say such things and you're right in doing so. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Listen, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger, not even an apostle, greater than the one who sent him. In this little moment, in this small pocket of space, in this small little space, Jesus in humility counted others more significant and considered their interests, their circumstances and conditions above and in addition to his own, and from there he served them. And it was showing them and us what he did on a cosmic level, not just in an upper room. Paul said it in his brilliant poem. He said, though Jesus was in the form or the very nature essence of God, though he was the only begotten son, the only human being who could take the status as God in human form, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Meaning, he didn't conclude, hey, I'm God. I've got the power. I've got the authority. I don't have to do this. He didn't hold on to the God card for his advantage or to elevate himself over another. Though he could have said, I'm in nature God. All power and authority belongs to me. And then use that as an advantage in this life to elevate himself over others or to avoid the call and command on his life to serve others and to lay down his life for others. He could have. Caroline could have bought the book for herself, but she didn't. She chose a different path. She chose to give what was hers to another. Jesus could have, but he didn't. He chose a different path. He chose not my will, but your will be done. He chose to give what was his to another. As Paul said, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Simply by being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In other words, he took his right and his freedom. And like outer garments, he laid them aside and he counted others more significant. He considered others, you and me, our condition and circumstances, our needs above his own. And he chose not just to serve us, but to lay down his life for us. He did this in complete humility. And it all began with his mindset. This supernatural, otherworldly mindset. And Paul is saying, listen, that same mindset is yours in Christ Jesus. You have it, so live it. You're to go and do likewise, Jesus said. By doing so, you will live as a united community in Jesus. You will live 
with an unconditional commitment to Jesus. By doing so, you will stand as one. You'll strive as one. You'll suffer as one for Christ. By doing so, the world will say, man, wow, they're different. By doing so, Jesus said, everyone will know that you're his disciples. If you love one another just as he has loved you. You have it, so live it. You know, we know this weekend was Veterans Day. And we've said it last week, we've said it all week, but thank you to all of our veterans. We truly pray and hope that not just yesterday or this week, but every day you feel honored and appreciated. But in honor of Veterans Day, there's a lot of stories coming out, and I came across this story of some heroes. And they're heroes because of what happened in 2019 on a hot summer night in Afghanistan. That night, there was a special operation with U.S. Army Rangers. They were beginning this assault on a compound with enemy targets inside. So the forces that night, they got closer to the target. And as they got closer to the target, the enemy fighters fired back with vengeance. Then there was this massive, huge explosion. And with that explosion, multiple U.S. Army Rangers were injured. So among gunfire, among rockets and grenades, two combat medics, they came in, they pulled the critically wounded behind cover from enemy fire, and then they got to work. The medics quickly began performing advanced surgical techniques right there in the battlefield, providing the, the wounded with blood infusions with just the supplies that they had on hand. And so while the medics were stabilizing the injured, then they realized that two of the injured soldiers were losing blood at a rapid pace, very fast. The problem was the medics had already utilized all of their blood units for other injured service members, meaning that if they didn't do something and do it fast, these soldiers were going to die. That's just the reality of it. This was their circumstance, their condition. So the medics had only one option. They had to find a volunteer who would be willing to risk their life to transfer their blood to the injured, dying soldiers on the battlefield. Using at that time a very rare technique that was also dangerous for the volunteer. So as enemy fire just continued to rage all around them, explosions, gunfire, the two medics were, were searching frantically just for a volunteer. They finally found one who said in humility, take my blood and give it to them. So from there, the two medics took large quantities of blood from the volunteer, very dangerous procedure, and transferred that blood to the dying service members. Eventually, hours later, they were able to load the wounded onto a helicopter for evacuation and save their lives. Military personnel function and operate like a community of people with one mind, one soul, one love, with one purpose. 
They have this mindset in humility. They count others more significant. They consider others' circumstances and conditions. And from there, they serve and lay down their lives for another. That's what they do. That's who they are. They take their rights, their freedoms, their ownerships, and they then sacrifice their lives for others. That's the mindset that God is calling and commanding us to live out. That's the kind of community his church is to be. And Paul is saying, listen, it's yours in Christ Jesus. This mindset is yours in Christ Jesus. You have it, so live it. And sometimes what it looks like is a girl in a library buying a book for another. Sometimes it looks like a man in a room just washing some other people's feet. Or sometimes it's like a man on a tree dying for the sins of the world. I don't know what it looks specifically like for you each and every day, but it looks different every day. And God leads us into these moments and spaces and places where he demands that we live out the mindset of Jesus. That in humility, we count others more significant than ourselves. That we consider their interest or their circumstances and conditions above or at least in addition to our own. And then from there, serve them. Lay down your life for them. Not as individuals, but together as one. To be of one mind in this. To be of one soul, full accord in this. To be of one love in this. To be a united community in Jesus with an unconditional commitment to Jesus. Standing as one, striving as one, suffering as one, all for the sake of Jesus. One mindset. So proving to be the church. His followers. You know, it's interesting, it's as Jesus said, right after he did that whole washing of the feet, asking them, do you understand what I've done for you, and that a a servant is not greater than his master, and so on, he says, I've given you this example. Right after that, he said, listen, now that you know these things intellectually, and you say amen to them, you'll only be blessed if you do them. Who cares about what you know if you don't do it? Let us live out this mindset. With heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite the team forward. We're going to have a time of response. And for some of us, the Lord's just working on our mindset, our perceptions, the way we process things. And he's telling us to think differently, to think like Christ. And for some of us, that's a real challenge. For others of us, it's counting others more significant than ourselves. That's the big challenge. Maybe it's humility. We keep living for selfish ambition. Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition. Count others more significant. Maybe that's the big challenge. Maybe it's just considering or looking at other people's interests, their circumstances, their conditions, in addition to our own. It, literally, that means place yourself in their shoes empathize with where they're coming from the circumstance that they're in the condition in which they're in and from there do what jesus did serve them and lay down your life for them that's how you change the world that's how you'll prove that you have a supernatural otherworldly mindset that's how the world will know of their destruction and of your salvation and that from god's
now that you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So even as I pray, maybe you want to come forward. These steps are open. Maybe you want to pray even for these boxes, even during this time. Maybe you got a decision to make. Maybe you just need some prayer from myself or Weston, our youth pastor. We're going to be down here. But even as I pray, you can come. Even as I pray, you can come. Father, we thank you. We love you. Help us to be of one mind, one soul, one love, with one purpose. Help us to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, the great example of humility, of love, of service. You said that the world rule it over each other, elevate themselves over one another, but you said among us it won't be that way. We have only, only one master, only one Lord, only one king. That's you. Father, change our mindset. Transform our mindset. Help us to submit to the Holy Spirit in every circumstance and situation, in every place and space, in every moment. Take captive every thought. Give us the mindset of Jesus. In humility, help us to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but to count others more significant than ourselves, to look to their interest, to consider their circumstances and conditions, and from there to lay down our life for them, to serve them. That's what you called us to. Give us that life. Give us that testimony. Give us that mindset together. In Christ's name I pray. I'm going to ask that you stand with us as we sing. Invitation's open. You come if you need to.